This is episode number 128, How Not to Quit and Mindful Racing with Gary Dudney. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. Practicing getting yourself out of that negative thinking is very helpful because it's going to happen during the race that you're going to push to your limit at some point, and you're going to want to have some techniques that you can try out. And if you've practiced those techniques, I think they get better with practice. You get better at getting yourself out of that mindset if you practice it from time to time. I hope you guys have had a great summer so far, and it's hard to believe that we are already into August. How about the goals that you've set for yourself this year? Have you checked in with yourself to see if you've accomplished them, or have you decided to kind of renegotiate those goals with yourself? Even though it's August, it's never too late to start. And that's something that's been on my mind lately. Also on my mind, today is the last day to pre-order the Moxie and Grit cycling jerseys and they will ship on August 16th. So if you want to grab one of my jerseys, go to moxieandgrit.com. Today's guest is a pretty interesting guy, Gary Dudney. And Gary Dudney has ran 70 100-mile running races and he is 66 years old. That's right, a 66-year-old out there crushing 100-mile running races. And what is his goal? It's to get to 100 100-mile running races. I hope to just run one 100-mile running race in my time. Gary is the author of two books, The Tao of Running and The Mindful Runner, where he writes about using mindfulness to combat common problems when tackling a big event. Things like quitting, staying positive, getting through the dark moments expectations and acceptance, and how to view the bad things as good things. He is a longtime columnist at Ultra Running Magazine, and in this episode, we get deep into what it takes to have mental endurance. I love this episode because Gary and I love talking about the same things, and we've had similar experiences on the race course that have taught us so much about how to stay positive and how to be mindful and how to just be aware of what's going on in our minds whenever we're pushing ourselves to the limit. I know many of you guys experience this, and you don't even have to be a racer to have this be applicable to you. These things are applicable anytime there's something difficult going on in life. And that is why I love the analogy of sports and life, because in sports, you just get to those dark places a little bit quicker than you would in your daily life activities. Gary and I would love to hear what you learned from the show or what your favorite parts are. So make sure to either leave it in a review on Apple Podcasts or to take a screenshot, post on social media, and type what you found useful and helpful in this episode so your friends can find it too. If you want more from me or you want to just get notifications of new podcast episodes, I have a free weekly newsletter. It's sonyalooney.com newsletter with a lot of subscribers. So if you want to be on that list, you want to be in the club, go to sonyalooney.com newsletter and you will be notified first of all the great things happening. All right, let's get into this episode with Gary Dudney about mindful racing and how not to quit. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Sonia. 
Yeah, right before we hit record, we were just talking about how many hundred mile running races you've done. So what number are you on now? I'm on number 70. I'm hoping to make it to 100, 100 mile races someday. I'm sort of chasing the clock, though. I'm 66 years old, so I've got to step it up a little bit. You can only do so many 100 mile races a year because you have to... um, you know, you have to taper before the race and you have to rest completely after the race. So that limits me to about once a month. And then life gets in the way uh, with the travel plans and all that sort of thing. So I can manage about six to eight races a year. That's yeah. For us mountain bikers or cyclists, we're like running 100 miles like this is crazy. And then doing that many in one year. Especially, I mean, people make excuses about age, like, oh, I'm too old for that. And it's totally an Mm -hmm. excuse. So I would love to hear your perspective because you are like, you're not old, but you're 66. And there probably aren't that many people. That's old, Sonia. (laughs) It's it's getting old. Let me put it that way. Like, what's your perspective on racing as you age? Because a lot of people say, oh, they just stop because they're too old or they think they're too old to even get started. I think I'm enjoying longevity because I've practiced some moderation over the years. When I run, I run to enjoy myself. I run to get to the finish of the race. I'm not trying to uh, compete or, you know, beat the other runners or try to set uh, personal records or anything like that. I'm just there to enjoy the experience and, you know, get as much out of it personally as I, as I can. And so, I run within myself and I spend a lot of time relaxing as I'm running and just making sure that I'm not injuring myself. How did you get into running? My first experiences with cross country, which I write about in my book, The Mindful Runner, and uh, that didn't go too well. I didn't have any understanding of the mental side of running. I would just go out and push myself really hard. And then when it got painful, I'd quit basically or or slow down so it wasn't a good start but then when i started training for a marathon when i was in my 30s that's what really got me excited about running i love the program i love the fact that every week you tried to extend your long runs and every weekend you just discover that you could go farther than you ever imagined you could and then the the marathon itself, I did the San Francisco Marathon in like 1986 or something like that. It was such a fantastic experience, uh, such, a, such a deep experience to run through a city and a big city marathon and make it to the end. So that's where my running began. And then later, a friend of mine got into trail running and I tried that. And, and it was sort of a, a repeat of the San Francisco experience, being out. Being out in the woods and running down a trail was just so enthralling compared to any of the road running I'd done. And I just loved it. I had a really went out for a six hour trail run and finished with bloody feet and blisters. And I didn't have any food and water with me. And it was just horrifying experience. But it was so enthralling that I fell in love with the trail running and I happened to be living in Monterey. I didn't realize that Northern California was the heart of the ultra running community back in those days in the 80s and 90s. You know, Northern California was where Western States was going on and the American River 50 mile and 
the Skyline Forest, 50K, all these were races that had been going on for a while. So I fell into that community and just went from there. When did you sign up for your first 100-mile race? That was in uh, 97 was the first time I finished a 100-mile race, which was the Angeles Crest 100 down in uh, Southern California. And did you work up to it? Because, well, a friend of mine, he's a pro mountain biker. His name's Yuki. And this year, he decided that he's doing both endurance mountain biking and ultra trail running. So basically, he worked up from almost no running, and then he's done like a 50K, a 50-miler, and then he's going to culminate with the Leadville 100 in, in one year. And he's like kind of, you know, a beast. Like, what does a, a progression look like if someone is working up to a 100-miler? Like, what was your progression like? It was similar. I did a 50-mile race was my first one, and then a couple of 50Ks, and then I signed up for the 100-mile and did a lot of training. My sense, though, is that once you get the basic fitness down for running long distances, even marathons, you are capable of doing any of the ultra distances. It's just a matter of you know treating each race slightly differently. 50Ks, you can push yourself very hard. And even if you get into trouble because you've gone out too fast, you can get to the finish because it's only like, you know, a five or six hour race. With a 50 mile, you have to be more conscious of being able to eat and drink properly and um, relax at the beginning of the race and, you know, extend the amount of time where you're going to have energy and replace the calories that you're burning and that sort of thing. But, you know, once you're able to stay out there for 10 or 12 hours, it's the step up to the 100-mile distance, which is going to be more like 24 to 30 hours. It's not that different. It's just that you don't need to do a lot of super mileage weeks or anything like that. You just need to be able to relax and run within yourself and eat and drink properly. And then with the 100-mile race, you have to be more concerned about your mental toughness and staying in the race even after it gets very painful and uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, a 24 to 36-hour running race sounds really epic to me. I was actually a runner before I was a cyclist. Like when I was 18 and 19, I got into endurance sports by running marathons. Mm-hmm. And I, I only did the same one two years in a row, just the Duke City in Albuquerque. But I loved it. I did get into mountain biking, but I'm also really interested in my later years in getting into some trail running. Like I'm really interested in the the transalpine running, trail running race in Europe and some of these awesome races because... The running races, you actually go run trails that you can't ride on your bike or that aren't even allowed to go on your bike and getting to see new things. But mm-hmm. how do you deal with, because you mentioned, okay, you have a mar- you have marathon fitness, but then what about all these injuries and getting your body to a point where you're not going to hurt yourself doing these really long events? Well, like I said, it's a matter of, um, I don't run with a lot of intensity when I'm in the race. I'm spending my time focusing on relaxing and focusing on getting from, you know, aid station to aid station and making sure that I've properly hydrated and I'm putting in a lot of calories on an hourly basis. I'll take a salt tab and I'll take some energy gel and that sort of thing as sort of a baseline for making sure my electrolytes are good and my calories are good. And then 
on top of that, you try to eat as much solid food as you can. But it's and then, you know, you're paying attention to the trail so that you don't injure yourself by falling or, you know, tripping over all the rocks and branches and trees and stuff that are out there. Okay, so I noticed on your website, you have a full bibliography of your writing. And I think the first one started in 2001. Is that right? Yes, that's when I started writing about running. Yeah. So you mentioned you did your first 100 miler in 1998. Yes. So what inspired you to start writing? I was just so overwhelmed by how rich the experience was of running and then how rich the trail running was and how enthralling, you know, the ultra races were, especially when you got to 100, because you go out there and you are invariably going to get pushed to the very limits of your ability. And uh, you live a whole lifetime out there (laughs) during during that day and that night and the next day. And all that was just um, as a writer, I was a writer before I was a runner. As a writer, it was just something I felt very strongly about capturing. And then I felt like there wasn't much literature about the mental side of running. You know, most of the running books are about our training books and about the physical nature of running and and how to improve and interval workouts and how much mileage and mileage plans and all that sort of thing. And but my experience was the really enthralling, intriguing part of running was what was going on in your head, especially when you were pushing yourself so hard that you, you know, you it was very easy to believe that you just couldn't go on, that it was too painful, that it was too, you know, you were too sleepy or or tired that you you wanted to quit. And then how you pulled yourself out of that situation and how you kept going and and then went one through to the finish that was what to me was intriguing and so i wanted to write about you know what's going on in your head and all the different kinds of mindsets you can bring to what you're doing to help you deal with those situations so that's when i started looking into um, mindfulness and positive thinking and um, all the other philosophies that i think connect up to uh, running or and and not just running, but any endurance sport, anytime you're pushing yourself beyond what you perceive are your limits. But of course, you can do a lot more than you think you can do. Uh, but it's it's a matter of knowing how to how to think your way through situations. Yeah, and I think there's a few different elements to the mental side of endurance racing. I've had Alex Hutchinson, who wrote the book Endure, and then some of the researchers who were behind that stuff. And and that's about like, does your mind quit before your body or does your body quit before your mind? And then how to trick your mind to get through the physical. But the mindfulness is so important. It's something that's talked about on this podcast a lot. And especially in endurance cycling, it's not as long as your 100 mile races in most cases, but you still have all, all those same emotions And like, I think people don't realize this, but even if you're winning a hundred mile mountain bike race, this is just, this is just me being transparent. You still want to quit. Like it is hard no matter what. And everybody wants to quit. So you mentioned that you really liked digging into these moments in these races that you're doing where you want to quit so badly and you don't. 
So what should people do to start harnessing and training this mental endurance so that they don't quit? Like, what did you do specifically that made it effective that you could repeat it? Well, I think one of the most critical lessons I learned is that um, you need to stay relentlessly positive. That's a phrase that comes from a sports writer named Joanne Dolcoder. You might have heard of her. She talks about the psychology of athletes, and, and one of the things she says is stay relentlessly positive. And for instance, when you are in the race and it is you are really tired, let's say you're 70 miles into a race and it's the middle of the night and you're falling asleep and everything hurts and you are starting to question whether you know you're going to be able to go on for another 10 hours or whatever it's going to take and you're you're starting to contemplate that well maybe this isn't my day maybe i didn't train hard enough maybe you know i can come back next year and i'll be in better shape and <laughs> i'll be able to do it i mean when you really feel like quitting that sends you into this negative frame of mind where fear and self-doubt take over and then your body sort of tenses up on you because of the the fear that you're feeling and the panic. Because your body is tensing up, it's even harder to keep running and it's harder to relax. That is when you need to realize that it's uh, keeping your thoughts positive is the only thing that's going to help you in that situation. And what Joanne Dolcoder says that I found so useful was that when you feel like that, when you feel that pain and that desperation, that's actually a very natural thing. Just like you're saying, that's, you know, you can expect that to happen. It's going to happen to you. It's, it's happening to everybody else in the race. And it's not a sign that you have a problem. It's a sign that you are doing exactly what you are supposed to be doing. You are, you know, pushing yourself to the point where you're feeling that way. That's the way you're going to feel if you want to get through this 100-mile race or 100-mile bike ride or, or whatever you're doing. And you can look at it as a positive thing. You know, this is, I'm, I'm reaching my goals here. I'm now really engaged with this beast that I'm trying to slay. I'm really getting the job done because this is the way I feel. And so once you've done that, you start, you know, you you try to just sort of sink down into that pain and feeling and work at accepting it as just a natural part of the process that you're going through. And, you know, if you weren't feeling that way, then you you probably weren't pushing yourself hard enough. And it's getting to that point in the race and getting through it that makes that finish line such a remarkable experience when you get there because, you know, nothing worth having comes easy. And the harder it is to achieve it, the more satisfying it is when you finally get to the finish. And so, you know, it's a positive thing. You wanted to get to that point and now you're at it and now your job is to accept it and to move past it and keep going. What about whenever you quit and then it becomes a habit? Because I've, I've noticed that there's people who don't ever quit. And then there's the people that quit. And then they seem to kind of get into this rut where they keep quitting every race. And they're, they're not, I don't think these people should label themselves as quitters. I don't think that that's useful 
but you can just say, yeah, you're, you're stuck in this rut of, of giving up when it gets really hard. So how do, how do people get out of that rut? Well, one thing I have a, a rule, it's never drop out of a workout. And I say that because sometimes, you know, you're training and it's not your day. It's not going well. You don't feel up to this long run that you had planned or you're halfway through your intervals and you just don't seem to be able to keep the pace, that sort of thing. You want to drop out of the workout. Well, that's a moment where you feel like quitting and what you should do is practice not quitting. Those are the very moments or sort of golden moments in your training where you're you're in that mindset where you want to quit and now you can practice your techniques for not quitting which might be you know repeating a, a mantra to yourself to get yourself back onto some kind of positive thinking or consciously when you feel like tensing up consciously relaxing yourself and you know working from the top of your head down to your toes to relax yourself so that you can keep going or invoking a state of mindfulness where you're focusing very specifically on just what you're doing and you're not worrying about what's going to happen later or what came before. And it's practicing getting yourself out of that negative thinking is very helpful because it's going to happen during the race that you're going to push to your limit at some point and you're going to want to have some techniques that you can try out and if you've practiced those techniques, I think they get better with practice. You get better at getting yourself out of that mindset if you practice it from time to time. And I had my own experiences with running 100-mile races taught me that the mental side of it is really the key. My first 2,600-mile races, I had sort of mixed results. One-third of the time... I DNF'd in those races. So 26 races, about about eight or nine times, I didn't make it to the finish. And then the next 2,600-mile races that I did, I had a streak of 2,600-mile runs where I never DNF'd. You know, it's hard enough to run 100-mile races, but to, to be able to overcome all the different things that happen during a 100-mile race over and over and over again without ever having anything get to the point where it, it took you out of the race. It was, um, you, you just never know how it's going to go. So doing it 26 times in a row was, was quite an accomplishment. And the only thing that had changed, my training hadn't changed, the, the amount of mileage that I was running hadn't changed. The only thing that changed is I had started getting cultivating my interest in the mental side of things and learning how to use mental techniques to keep myself in the race once things got hard. And that was the difference. Once I had mastered the mental side of things, I was able to stay in those 100-mile races and get to the finish every single time. Can we go into more detail about these mental techniques? Like you mentioned a couple of them, but can you describe them in more detail so people can start practicing them in their races and rides and even in their daily life? I mean, this stuff is is applicable everywhere. Yes. Well, okay. A, a big one is, of course, mindfulness. And um, the simple definition of mindfulness is focusing on the present with acceptance. And so 
when you, you apply that to running, it means that when you are running, you're paying attention to just the input, the mental input that you're getting, all the sights and sounds and smells of running down a trail or a road. You can focus on the, the motion of your body, the feeling of your feet hitting the pavement, the breathing, the swinging of your arms. You just you try to limit your focus to all the things that are going on around you at the present moment. And when you're doing that, you're really deepening your experience. You're getting as much out of that run as you possibly can because you're so open to the experience of the run going on. And at the same time, you've now divorced yourself from thinking about worries about something that happened that day or concerns about something that a meeting that you're going to go to later when you get back to work after your run. I mean, you you know, the past and the present, you try to keep that out of your thinking. And so you're you're resting from all those daily distractions and those daily sources of uh, stress that you your mind is sort of always presenting to you as long as you're focused on what you're doing on at the present. And it could be running or it could be eating an apple or it could be eating dinner or it could be, you know, riding a bike, whatever. But that's a period of time where you're not worried about the past and the present. And then when those thoughts inevitably, inter- you know, pop up in your mind, you recognize that that thought is there and you acknowledge that you're having this thought about this concern about the meeting that you're going to go to in a couple hours, something like that. But then you accept that you had the thought and you let that, you try to move back to, you let that thought drift away and you, you move back to a focus on whatever you're doing on the running, on the, on the path, on what you're seeing or hearing. So that's what makes mindfulness such a useful tool in anything you're doing. It's giving you you're really living your life in the present and it's making the experience you're having a deep experience. So when the the pain starts popping up, when the pain and the fatigue and the being tired comes along, mindfulness is also a technique for dealing with that. You recognize that you're having this pain and you don't try to run away from it or ignore it or pretend like it's not there. Instead, you know, here's another sensation that you're having in your experience. And so you you focus on it for a moment and you sort of sink down into it and work at accepting it. And by doing that, you sort of take some of the sting out of the out of the pain and you take some of the control that pain has over your thinking if you are, you know, willing to really feel it as objectively as you can. What you're trying not to do is to assign emotions to it, to assign fear to it or to assign, you know, to focus on it and and then let that be the only thing that you're thinking about. You want to, like I said, sink down into it, give it its due for a moment, try to meet it, you know, head on. And then again, you try to let that drift into the background and focus back on 
other things that are other experiences that you're having in in that run and it's it's really very effective it's a very you know if you can avoid assigning fear to that feeling then you can accept the feeling for what it is and you you realize it's not a showstopper it's not it's not killing you you know you're not you're not jumping out of a boat on d-day on the normandy beach you're actually just running down a trail and it doesn't feel that great but it's not the end of the world either and uh you know once you can put it in that perspective you can move beyond it and get back to what you're doing and then when it reasserts itself you just you go through the same routine of you know sinking down into it giving it its due and then moving beyond it and what about the use of a mantra useful. well the the mantra is just the way the way i use it it's a way of avoiding negative thinking by just sort of mindlessly repeating this phrase to yourself that's replacing the negative thinking so you're you're thinking oh you know this is this isn't going well i've got a long ways to go i feel like quitting i this is hurting so much it's important to get rid of those thoughts as quickly as possible and one way to do that is to just go to your mantra and uh, keep repeating it to yourself and then that gives you an opportunity to you know, redirect your thinking back to something positive, and it's keeping the negative thoughts at bay. And I like to use a mantra. The one that I've been using for years is infinite patience, steely determination. And I, I just say that to myself over and over again, infinite patience, steely determination. And it's very helpful to me because it's reminding me that one thing for endurance sports that you need a lot of is patience because you can't hurry up and rush to the end when you're running a 30-hour race and 100 miles. You've got to stay patient. You've got to stay. You've got to soldier on. And the only way to do that is to stay patient and not try to, you know, speed up and finish the race all at once because that's not going to get you anywhere. So knowing that it's you know, it's like if you bring patience to mind, then you can you can demonstrate patience. And then the determination, I think, is just that's a quality. I'm sure you're very, very familiar with it. It's sort of an unthinking process, determination. I mean, it's not it's not rational. You don't feel like going on. You, you know, all these there's all these reasons going through your mind for quitting. But determination tells you ignore that, ignore all that, ignore what your rational thinking is telling you, just, you know, keep going. And steely determination means that you just, you use it as a bulwark against any negative thoughts that you're going to have. So by using that mantra, I'm not only replacing the negative thinking with something positive, but I'm also reminding myself of the two qualities that I need to be demonstrating if I want to stay in the race and and get to the finish. I love that. It's actually really funny or ironic. I started my own apparel brand last year and I wanted it to be called something that demonstrated the qualities that you need to get through something challenging in your life. So I named my apparel brand Moxie and Grit. (laughs) Uh And that sounds really similar to your mantra. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Moxie is 
I have the Mindful Runner. I have a chapter called The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And it's my most effective go-to strategies, mental strategies for dealing with the pain during a race. And it's the four horsemen are mindfulness, mantra, music, and moxie. (laughs) And of course, what I mean by moxie is determination, but determination doesn't start with an M. So I had to, (laughs) so I I went with moxie instead. I love that. Yeah. Grit and moxie. The problem is that I think most people, they just imagine that they have a lot of grit and moxie and they do, but it's a matter of being able to summon it at the proper moment, because when the chips are really down and you're really feeling at your worst, it's if all you've got is, you know, well, I've got to gut this out. I've got to, if that's the only strategy you have that you're going to wait until it really hurts and then you're just going to gut it out. Then if that doesn't work, if you start doubting yourself at that point, and that's the only thing you have to keep you going, then if it fails, it's a pretty devastating blow to your um, your determination. And so that's why in the book and in my own running, I, I have a lot of different strategies to try out when I get into trouble. And if one doesn't work, I go to another. Music, I think, is very good, not just because it distracts you from running, but music, it's you sort of replacing the painful experience you're having with the experience of the music. And music is very enthralling. You know, it's got the rhythm going on. It's got the lyrics. It's got the emotions. It's got the story. In other words, it's uh, in terms of mindfulness, it's just a very rich thing to be focused on and to make part of your experience while you're out there running. And uh, it's so enthralling that it can, you know, keep you in it. It sort of changes your mindset into you get wrapped up in the emotions of the song and in the story that's in the song. And when you find yourself focusing on that and enjoying that, you suddenly realize that the pain that you were feeling isn't controlling you and and isn't necessarily the only thing that that you can allow to be happening in your mind. You know, look, the song is replacing it right there. So, you know, other positive ways of thinking are going to work as well against that pain and against those negative thoughts that you're having. Yeah, I love when you said the pain isn't controlling you because sometimes it really does feel like the pain is controlling you and there's alarm bells going off and this shouldn't be happening. So yeah, I just, I love that even as a, a mantra for someone to take away, like the pain is not controlling me. Yes. And it's not, you know, the pain is not, like I said, it's not saying that you've done something wrong or that you have a problem. It's a signal that you're doing, you're doing the right thing. You're, you're pushing yourself to the point where you're feeling that way. And, you know, you're not going to run a hundred miles without feeling a lot of pain and stress and fatigue. So, but once you decide that those things are a natural part of the process and part of what's making that experience the life-changing experience that it is, then you're not so unhappy about the way it's making you feel. So I want to talk about expectations. You mentioned that you're not doing the race to win, but you still have an expectation to finish the race. 
other people, you know, if they're going for a time or something like that, like we have big expectations. And then sometimes things can happen in the race, which force you to alter your expectations. So as an example, in a bike race, you get a flat tire, you get lost, you're cramping, like your nutrition isn't on point. And, and some of these are in running as well. What advice do you have for people who have to change their expectations mid-race? Well, I think it's very typical to get lost in ultras. They have to flag, you know, a hundred mile a trail. And there are just places that wind up being confusing and you get off trail and you run a mile or two and you realize that you're on the wrong trail because you're not seeing any more flags. So you have to turn around and you run back. And that to me, it's just a matter of, um, accepting it as part of the process, as part of the adventure. I mean, if you're out there to experience the adventure and to get as much out of the, you know, being part of the race and being in the adventure, then there's not this huge disappointment about, oh, you know, I had to run a few extra miles. I didn't get 32nd place. I got 64th place or something like that. It's just a matter of accepting it as all part of the process of pursuing that adventure. Yeah, I think that that's that's good advice. It's really. I mean, I'm sure you're you probably have a different perspective because you might be at going out there and possibly winning the race, and that's not a a feeling that I. It's not an expectation that I would ever bring to a race. I'm coming to the race strictly for the adventure that's there and the experience that's there, and with the hope of getting to the finish under the cutoff time. And even if I suffer a disappointment for one reason or another, then for me, it's really all the same. I, I love the feeling of getting to the end of the 100-mile race. But if something happens and, and that doesn't happen, then that's not the end of uh, – I've still had a, a great adventure. In fact, as you probably know, the harder that the race is and the more – difficulties you encounter. And even if you wind up uh, failing, those tend to be the races that you get the most out of, that you remember for the longest. And um, you look back on those as the really cool adventures that they are. Yeah, I love the acceptance piece because, and, and the adventure piece, because even if you're winning a race or you're going for a time or whatever those those goals may be, things happen that are somewhat out of your control. Like if you have a flat tire, maybe you should have run different tires so that it wasn't as easy to flat, or maybe you just had bad luck. Or if you get lost, maybe your head was down and you didn't see the flagging, or maybe the flagging wasn't there at all. And regardless of where you are, like I did a race a couple weekends ago and I did get lost. Me and four guys got lost because someone took down the flagging and it added probably three or four minutes onto the time, which affected the outcome of the race. Uh -huh. But I don't know. For some reason, I didn't get really angry about it. But you, you have that moment where you're like, this sucks. And whatever that moment is, whatever happened to you and you're saying this sucks, well, you can't change it. Like you have to just accept that it happened and commit to doing your best from that moment on because you can't change what happened. And that mindset piece of acceptance and just adding it up and chalking it up to being part of the adventure and part of the experience is important because Part of racing is getting lost and nobody likes getting lost. No one likes having a mechanical. No one likes any of these bad things that happen, but they happen to everybody at some point. So just accepting that 
But it's hard whenever you have a lot to lose because of that thing that happened. And it's easy to assign blame or to start ruminating on, oh, I can't believe this happened. And I, of course, I've been there. And of course, I've done that. But it's like you said, it's a practice of accepting what happened. And you can practice that in so many different ways in your life. I My car broke down yesterday in Vancouver, and that sucked. But it was like, okay, I accept that this happened, and now I'm going to have fun moving forward in whatever way that I need to rectify this. So that, that lesson of acceptance is so important. Yeah, and it just works so well in all aspects of your life, too. Yeah. It, it's a great way to... Um, I mean, you can find yourself accepting things that are very unpleasant and would have put you in a real tailspin had you not, you know, sort of cultivated this idea of mindfulness and acceptance. It's a um, sort of a related idea is that um, I wrote a column not too long ago, which I called The Big Ask, where it was a Saturday afternoon and I was very tired. I'd just done a hard race the weekend before and um, it was hot outside and I didn't feel anything like I just wanted to be inside and lay on the couch. And my wife had this idea that I was going to go back behind her fence and mow down all the weeds that were back there, about three feet of weeds, because she wanted to plant some stuff back there. And uh, it was just really hard thing for me to go out there and do that. But then as I was doing it, I was thinking, well, you know, this is, it's really pretty good training. It's, it's good heat training and it's good upper body training here that I'm doing. It's actually good mental training because, you know, I didn't want to do this, but I'm pushing myself to do it anyway. And it took me a couple hours, but by the end of it, I was like, this is a really great thing that I, I had to come out here and do this. Because, you know, there were so many positive things about it. And once I'd accepted that it was a good thing, then uh, it was just fine. So just a little funny thing in life. Yeah, like one of the things that I say, and I, I'm sure I learned this from somebody else, but anytime something happens, the mantra is everything is training. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it really is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even like if I have to get out of bed in the middle of the night and drive somebody to the airport, I think, oh, okay, well, this is this is good training to have to be awake when you're you'd rather you know you didn't get enough sleep and you have to go do something else. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a a good point that whenever we have to do something that is uncomfortable or we don't like or something that's like the worst thing that's ever happened to you, like you can look at that as a positive thing using the everything is training mentality because whenever things get really hard, you always compare it to that other hard thing that happened to you in your life. And you say, well, it wasn't as bad as that experience in Mongolia. That's like my husband and I's <laughs> thing. <laughs> that's like the worst thing that's ever happened. Just this really bad race experience. It's not as hard as it was in Mongolia. So like putting yourself in difficult situations or, or challenges where even if it's going badly or it's extra hard saying, well, this is good because now this is a new benchmark that I'm going to compare everything else to so that nothing else will be quite as bad as this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've even, um, when I'm running, when I'm in a hundred mile race and things start feeling bad, I often think to myself, well, you know, I've been in so many desperate situations. This is just another desperate situation and it's been worse. <laughs> so that's a, it's another way to make a negative feeling a positive feeling. 
So we've talked about your book a little bit, The Mindful Runner, but mm-hmm. we haven't talked about the Tao of running yet. Can you tell people a little bit about that book and like why Taoism instead of some of the other philosophies or religions? The Tao of Running was my first book. That was uh, 2016. The Mindful Runner just came out uh, last fall. And uh, the Tao of Running is also about the mental side of running. And there's a lot about mindfulness and staying positive and the things that we've been talking about. Taoism, what, what I take out of Taoism, well, let me, let me tell you real fast the story of the three vinegar tasters. It's an old uh, Chinese motif for art and philosophy, the story of the three vinegar tasters. And the idea is that they represent the three major religions of ancient China, which is Buddhism and Confucianism and Taoism. And so the three vinegar tasters taste the vinegar and the Buddhist, he tastes it and it's, it's extremely bitter and he makes a face and spits it out. And then the Confucian, he tastes the vinegar and it's awful it's vinegar after all, and uh, he he spits it out, and then the Taoist tastes the vinegar, and suddenly he gets a big smile on his face. He's enjoying it. He's he drinks more and more of it, and uh, so what's going on? Well, for all of them, the experience of tasting the vinegar is uh, very negative and distasteful and disgusting, but the Taoist. He values anything that's a natural experience. He recognizes that the vinegar is just being vinegar. And so when he tastes the vinegar and it's horrible and it's disgusting, he, it makes him happy because he's experiencing the real nature of vinegar. And that's, and that's what Taoism is all about, is, is experiencing the real nature of things and then accepting them as part of the experience of your life. And so, you know, you apply that to running. Everybody enjoys the first few moments of running when everything feels good and you're moving along the down the trail. But then when things start getting painful, you know, people stop enjoying what they're doing and they start thinking about quitting and, and whatnot. But the Taoist, when he starts feeling the, the pain of the run, for him, that's when he's really getting into the essence of running. That's the natural, normal part of running. That's, like I said, the essence of running. And so as he experiences that, he gets something positive out of it. He's happy about it. So that's sort of the way I relate Taoism to running. I think that's so awesome. So good. <laughs> I think that's a story people It's a really helpful way away. to think. I mean, yeah. all these are ways to think about running or think about endurance training that are, they're all very helpful. Like in the Mindful Runner, I have a chapter or a section, a chapter called Be Your Dog. And what I'm pointing out is that if you think about what it's like for a dog when he's going out on a walk, I mean, he is so, that dog is so excited about getting out there and walking. And then when he's on the walk, he's totally mindful. He's totally focused on exactly the sensory input that he's getting 
you know, the smells and the sights and whatnot. He's not thinking about the past. He's not thinking about the future. He's not assigning emotions to the things that he's feeling and the things that he's seeing. He's just taking in this experience. And it's it it must be such a overwhelmingly satisfying experience for the dog. And you can tell that in the way they love to go on their walk. You know, they, they love to be out there doing that. And so I'm telling a runner, you know, try to put yourself in that same mindset. Try to be like your dog. Try to just go out there and suck in all that's happening to you, all that experience, and let that be your focus for that time when you're out there. And that's how you really get the most out of what you're doing. You know, when you're running, all you're really doing is you're going out there to you know, help improve your health, keep yourself healthy, spend some time exercising. And all the time you're doing that, you're not doing all the negative things that you can be doing in your life. You know, you're not taking drugs or overworking or doing something like that. You know, you're out there doing something for yourself. It's very, very positive thing. And I think the more deeply you can experience it, the more uh, satisfying it is and the more the more it makes you into a better person. Yeah, I love the dog analogy. Like I got my first dog ever in October, a puppy, and we've been training him and just seeing how much joy he has. Like he is a very exuberant, happy little dog. And like, you're right, he goes crazy. He's so happy to go outside. Another lesson that I've learned from my dog is he just loves everybody. Like doesn't care, like no judgment, nothing. He just absolutely loves everybody. And I aspire to be that way. I think it's really cool. The lessons you can learn from your animal. Yeah. It's total acceptance of the experience that the dog is having. Yeah. Awesome. So where can people get your books and where can people connect with your other articles that you, you've written? I have a website. It's called the All one word thedowofrunning.com, and Dow is spelled T-A-O. You can pronounce it Tao or Dow. On that website, I have all my articles from, I've been, I've been a columnist for Ultra Running Magazine for 10 years now. So there's like 100 of my old columns that are advice about running, which run the gamut. I mean, lately, in the last couple of years, I've written mostly about the mental side of running, but my columns cover all the other aspects of running ultras. And then I have race reports on there, maybe 100 race reports of races that I've done all over the country. Uh, if you're looking you know, for a fun, exciting, enjoyable race, you can read through those. But the books are available through Amazon, and there's a paperback edition, an ebook and an Audible book for both of them, which you can find on Amazon. So it's The Mindful Runner and The Tao of Running. And uh, Barnes & Nobles carries it, and your private bookstore may, may or may not carry it. That's awesome. Congratulations. Sure. I really enjoyed it. And I have uh, a race for you. It's not a 100-mile race. Maybe you've already done it. But last year, I was out on a, a mountain bike ride in Squamish, BC. And Squamish has some of the most incredible and beautiful trails in the world. And, and it's the outdoor adventure hub of Canada. 
And there's a race in August. You can do a two day or you could do either day. There's a 50K one day and a 50 mile the second day. And uh-huh. the, the trails are just so awesome. Like it made me, I mean, I've ridden them on my bike, but when I saw the people running that race, it made me really want to do it. And I think that that would be a really fun one if you're interested in coming up to Canada. I do want to get to Canada. I was looking at a couple of hundred mile races up there. And is ultra running booming in Canada the way it is in the United States? I'm not super Would you in, say? in I, I don't really know, but what I yeah. have noticed is that there are way more ultra running races. There are more ultra running races than mountain bike races in BC, which mm-hmm. is another reason I thought, well, maybe I should give that a try because then I'll have more races that I can drive to. But there's, yeah, there's, I don't know if there's a lot of hundred milers, but I know there's a lot of 50 milers. So you are planning on doing more ultra running in the future? Oh yeah, I guess I never mentioned that out loud. Yeah, I'm really interested in getting into it. Like, as I mentioned, when I was 18, 19, I did those marathons. And then I've kind of like jumped in running races here and there, just like road running races. But there's so many trail running races and so much community around that, that I am really interested in the future. But I haven't figured out how to balance it because as a pro mountain biker, you have to be spending a lot of time on your mountain bike. And running is a good cross training activity. But if you do too much of it, it does take away from your mountain biking. So it's finding the right balance with that. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you're going to love the ultra running. I've done some mountain biking, and mountain biking is just so intense <laughs> compared to running. I mean, ultras, there, there's so much of it is being able to stay relaxed and, and stay within yourself so that you spend most of the run conserving your energy as opposed to having to, you know, use the energy in short bursts of climbing and death-defying downhill rocky patches and that sort of thing so uh, ultra running is just it's a more relaxed sport and um, the community is really fabulous you can really you know you you meet so many people on the trail because you can talk to each other and whatnot yeah i'm interested in the the places that your mind would go in the challenge of it like we we talked before you need to keep challenging yourself mentally and physically but especially mentally and i kind of feel like there's another level that i haven't experienced because whenever you switch sports it's it's hard and trying to figure it all out again and the challenges might be different challenges that the the feelings the pain the whatever you're going through might be different so i i just want to try it because i want to see what that feels like Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I think that people got a lot out of this. And for those listening, definitely check out Gary's books and articles. Very good, Sonia. Thank you very much for having me. Gary is a pretty interesting guy. And if you want more, make sure you go to his website, Gary Dudney, Dowofrunning.com to learn more about him and pick up some of his books. I hope you guys are enjoying the show. Thank you again for supporting my work on Patreon. It makes a big difference. And there's about 40 of you who are supporting that work. And I'd love to see more if possible. So thanks so much, you guys. Wishing you all the best success in your training and adventures. And we'll see you back here next week.